North America believes that somehow uh, Jesus' teaching is all about how you can have a better life. And yes, that is a, a part of it. We call it, uh, Jesus called that abundant life. But it goes beyond that because part of that abundant life is, of course, the assurance of eternal life. And I know that there are some people here this morning who, who are not quite sure that they're ready for heaven, that they're not sure where they're going to spend eternity. And I want to talk to you about that today. In fact, I want to talk to you about what it means to live with Jesus forever. Last week we talked about living with Jesus. Today I want to talk about living with Jesus forever. And um, whether you realize it or not, uh, when you became a Christian, you were made ready for heaven. You were prepared for heaven. In fact, Jesus says, for God so loved the world, you know this verse, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, this is the gospel. We cannot talk about Jesus. We cannot preach the gospel without talking about eternal life. Eternal life has got to be at the center of what we're talking about. Eternal life, the promise of eternal life, is what gives you and me hope. It gives us the confidence that, that there's, there's more to this life than what we're experiencing in the here and the now. Now, I want you to know this about this teaching, this preaching about eternal life. This is a relatively new idea to the people that Jesus was preaching about. Nobody had come preaching and teaching on eternity like Jesus did. There was talk about it, yes. There was a discussion. In fact, there was debate among the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the governing body in Israel. The Pharisees believed in eternity. The Sadducees didn't. They just said, you, you know, you live your life, you die, and that's it. But the Pharisees said quite the contrary. The way you live now is going to have an effect on what your eternity looks like. Jesus comes along and brings clarity. He brings understanding. He helps us understand that everyone on this earth is born on the doorstep of eternity. Did you hear me? Everyone is born on the doorstep of eternity. In other words, everyone, once they're born, has got to come to a place in their life where they decide where they want to spend eternity. Now, last week we talked about living with Jesus. We talked about the family of God. And we said that if you want to live with Jesus then you've got to become part of this eternal family. And the way that you become part of that eternal family is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, accepting Jesus into your heart, as we sometimes call it. When you became a Christian, when you entered into the eternal family, you actually passed over the threshold. You entered into eternity. So the minute that you became a Christian, you entered eternity. Did you know that? When you became a Christian, you began to experience a little bit of heaven here on earth. That is, my friends, what the family of God is supposed to be all about. That's what the church is supposed to be about. It's, it's about experiencing heaven here and now. And it's just the start. It's just the beginning. It's just a bit of a taste of what's to come. And I'm going to tell you, we ain't seen nothing yet. When you put your faith in Jesus, you stepped into eternity by becoming part of this eternal family of God. I've been, this past week, I got so much feedback on that from people who talked about the tension, 
The same tension that Jesus experienced between his earthly family and his eternal family. And uh, Gloria was saying to me afterward, like, what a double blessing for those whose earthly family is already part of the eternal family. Isn't that cool to be part of an earthly family who's also your eternal family? Eternal family, of course, are all those who put their faith in Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When you enter the family of God, his church, this, this eternal family, if you want to call it that, you stepped into a brand new way of living. We call it eternal living. It's a brand new way of looking at life. It's a brand new way of living out your life. It's a perspective or a view that looks not to your retirement, but beyond. We're talking about to eternity. And everybody who is a follower of Christ looks not just to the day when, oh, I finally get to stop working, I can go settle in Florida for, for six months. We're going beyond that. We're going to that place where we will settle forever, where there'll be no more snow and no more ice and no more of that. And everybody who has arthritis said, amen, yes. Now here's the thing. I want, I want you to understand this this morning. This eternal perspective, this living with eternity in our hearts, this idea of living eternally or eternal living has got to be one of your values, one of the things that influences how you live day by day. You've got to consider that what you say and what you do has eternal value or eternal impact. Does everybody understand that? In that movie... Um, uh, called Gladiator. The, the, the movie begins with, with Russell Crowe giving a, a speech to his men before they go into battle. And he says, what you do today will echo in eternity. And I want you to know that, that those words can be applied to us today. What we do day by day will echo in eternity. And someday, the Bible says, read Luke chapter 19, you will discover that God says, that we will be judged on how we live our lives. Did you know that? There are two judgments. There's a judgment to see whether or not you are in the family of God or not, and then there's a judgment for those who are in the family to determine what did you do with the life that God gave you. And so I have to tell you this morning, it is absolutely essential that we understand that if we are going to be believers who rejoice on that day when we stand before Christ, then we are going to have to be people who live in light of eternity. So you, everybody really understands that. Let's just take a quick uh, refresher course here on what values are. Uh, values are a collection of guiding, usually positive principles, especially regarding personal conduct. Values generate behavior, and values answer the question of why people do what they do. Very simply. And so here's the thing. If your value is eternal living, living with eternity in mind, then it's going to affect the way that you live your life and why you do, answer the questions, why you do what you do. Now let me just give you an example of a value statement. Because that's what we're doing right now over these weeks. We are building a value statement. And here's one I picked out from Amnesty International. Our six value statements are, and you know, this won't make a lot of sense to you, but it makes a lot of sense to the people of Amnesty International. And by the way, I just picked anything 
uh, out of whatever I could come across on the internet. And uh, so they focus our energy for greater impact, standing up with integrity, be outstanding, respect the individual, be relevant today and ready for tomorrow, be accountable. Okay, I mean, it's, yeah, we get that. We understand what that means. But for them, this is extremely significant. For those who are uninitiated, for those who are not part of this organization, we don't really fully understand the impact or the significance of these statements. But we have our own statement of values, and let's take a look at that. Uh, Jesus, by the way, reminds, reminds us that if anyone will truly love him, he will be careful to keep his word. So if we love Jesus, we're going to do what he says. And so we said the, a few weeks ago, the very first value is... Be like Jesus, asking ourselves a question, what would Jesus do? We live our life every day asking ourselves a question, what would Jesus do? How many know that if you value this, if this is important to you, it will significantly affect the way you speak, the way you act, the things that you do? Secondly, we are to walk with Jesus. That means we do our devotions on a daily basis. We pray every day. We, we read our Bible every day. We would not start the day without having first connected and communicated with God and allowed God to communicate with us. And thirdly, we would live with Jesus. We would, we're part of this church family. It's important for us to connect with other believers because we understand that, that we become like the people that we hang out with. And so here's the... Here's, Here's why it's so important for us to understand this, because the church family is, is your eternal family. Your church family will determine how you live your life. And fourthly, and this is what we want to talk about today, living with Jesus, not just here on this earth, but forever. So it goes beyond what happens in this world. This is what we want to talk about. So here's, here's a scripture verse, and it's, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the most difficult passages in the scripture, because a lot of people, when they read this, say, man, this is just... I don't know if I can live this way. In fact, it seems, and this is what the apostles said after they heard Jesus preach this. They said, man, this is impossible. I don't know if anybody can live with this. And what does Jesus say? Go ahead to that next passage, please. Jesus, Jesus says, with, with man, it's impossible, but with God, it is possible. So when you become part of this family of God and you start living with this eternal perspective or, or start living eternally, um, it dramatically affects the way you live your life. So look what it says here, John 12, 24 to 26. And Jesus says, if you would read this with me, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Can we stop there for a moment so you understand? This is the, 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 the law of the farm. You put a seed in the ground and up comes... Many seeds, right? Basically is what Jesus is saying. Drop that one little seed. You can either eat that one little seed or you can put the seed in the ground and then you'll have a harvest of seeds. So Jesus is saying that that kernel has got to die. It's got to be buried. Then he goes on to say this. Anyone, let's read it. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Can we just stop there for a moment? Man, this is not some like popular teaching or preaching, does it? This doesn't sound like something that is going to win donations from people, does it? <laughs> is this the way that we make people excited about serving Jesus? By telling them that if you, lose, if you love your life, you're going to lose it, but if you hate your life in this world, you're going to keep it for eternal life? Look at whether or not you and I like this, or whether this is popular, or whether this is exciting, or whether this is something that attracts us, it doesn't matter. The point is this. It's what Jesus preaches. This is what Jesus teaches. 
And so here's the thing. If you want to have eternal life, if you want to live with Jesus forever in heaven, then what you have to do is you have to be prepared to hate your life in this world. Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment so that you can understand that. Because Jesus goes on to say this. Read it. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now, I've got to tell you something. Jesus spoke these words as he was preparing to go to the cross. Jesus was preparing to do exactly what we read in verse 24. Jesus was preparing to go and lay down his life. He was going to die so that you and I could live. My friends, here's the thing you've got to understand if you're going to be equipped and ready and willing to live eternally. You have to begin now to die to yourself. Jesus brought eternal life to you and me by dying. In fact, Jesus said this, if anybody wants to be my disciple, if anybody wants to follow me, then he's going to take up his cross. He's going to deny himself and follow me. This is what Jesus calls each and every one of us to. Now, many of us know this. We've heard this. We know it here. But the question is this. Has it affected the way you live your life? Now, I want to stop for a moment before um, I go any further on, the, on this. I, I, I want to remind everybody that this idea of eternity is not a foreign idea. In fact, the Bible is clear that each and every one of us is born with eternity in our hearts. Did you know that? Every one of us is aware of eternity, of life in the hereafter. It's not an obscure subject. In fact, we're confronted by eternity every day. Again, what is eternity? It's, it's everlasting life. It's, it's the hereafter. It's what we would call immortality, never dying, living forever. Every time you turn the TV on and there's a report of people dying, a report of, of death, we are being confronted by eternity because what happens to these people after they die? You and I have experienced eternity when loved ones are sick and are dying and are preparing to face eternity. We're confronted by it. You here at work, loved ones, friends, family, family of your friends dying. And I'm amazed at how many people are ignorant, completely ignorant of what it means to embrace and to enjoy eternal life. I heard uh, after uh, a funeral that I was at fairly recently, I heard uh, some of the people talking afterward, and, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a grandmother who passed away, and one of the girls said, you know, my grandmother now is, uh, is, a, is my angel. She follows me around wherever I go. And uh, you, know, you know how many people believe that kind of stuff? Totally ignorant and unaware of what eternity is about. Totally unaware of what happens after you and I die. But Jesus comes along and he gives very clear instructions as to what eternity is all about. We see a message of eternity in our pop culture. Um, has anybody heard of John, John Edwards? He's a, a psychic who gathers people around him 
And then he picks people out of the crowd and he starts telling them uh, things about a departed loved one. And then somehow he's, he's channeling a message from, from the beyond, from, from, from that person who's dead to the person who's alive. And, and you sit there, as people sit there shocked and tears streaming down their face because somehow, someway, they're being able to communicate with their departed loved one. Can I just tell everybody here something this morning? In case there's anybody here who's under the delusion that this John Edwards is actually channeling anybody from the dead. It's not happening. These are deceiving spirits. You might want to call them demons, if you will. Who are, who are masquerading as angels of light. And you look at it and you think, oh, it all seems so wonderful. That person's heart is finally set at rest. They're not upset or worried anymore about their departed loved one. Folks, this is, this is not biblical. This is not of God. This is not acceptable. This is, this is something that none of us should be taking part in. And how many know that Satan is a great deceiver? In fact, Jesus calls him the father of lies. And there's nothing he would love more than to deceive you and, and make you believe that you can live on the way you are. The Bible is clear that we can't live on the way we are. He calls us to change, to be transformed in surrendering our life to Christ. So don't anyone here believe for one minute that there's any human being on the face of this earth that is able to channel anybody from the dead. It's a lie. It's a deception. And I'm going to tell you that Satan is very, very good at it. We have eternity in our hearts. We understand. We understand that there's something more uh, last night, he's getting ready for bed, flipping through the channels. There's a story, uh, there's a, a program on it. I think it's a series on haunted houses. Anybody seen that? People are intrigued by this idea of there being ghosts and people who are communicating and people who need to, to, need to lay down their lives and, and, and uh, find rest on, and, and, and that there's some way that we can somehow help them find rest. It's absolute nonsense. It's just simply demonic activity. And yet... And yet, there's awareness in our hearts that there is something more. Something more than this three-dimensional world that we live in. There's got to be more. Now, here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says, God has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. In the heart of every human being, your neighbors, those people who call themselves atheists, those people who claim not to believe in Jesus. The Bible says that God created them with eternity in their hearts, an awareness of something more. And it shouldn't surprise us then that they work so hard at trying to suppress those feelings. Have you noticed that? They'll do everything in their power to suppress that feeling of eternity in their hearts. They will rail against Christianity. They'll attack Christ. They'll attack the scriptures. They'll talk, attack truth. Why are they doing that if they don't believe in it? If they don't believe in it, it shouldn't matter. Has anybody heard of Richard Dawkins and his great, the great books on, uh, against Christianity and saying that it's, he talks about the God delusion, how it's not true? Why is he attacking it like that? If it's not true and not real. Well, he would say it's purely for good reasons, 
to liberate this world from this false idea of God and religion. And yet I'm going to tell you this this morning, and you and I know this, that it's Christians, it's been missionaries who have eternity in their hearts that go around the world and make the world a better place. And Richard Dawkins somehow seems to ignore that completely. You and I are born with eternity in our hearts. Missionary Don Richardson wrote a book called Eternity in Their Hearts. I remember when I read it. I remember where I was when I read it. There's not many books I can tell you that I know where I was when I was reading it. When I got this book, I was actually in Greece. Um, I was there in my first year. I wasn't married yet. But somebody had sent me the book, and I started to read it. I was reading it on a bus going from Kephissia all the way down to Athens, I was captivated by it because essentially what Don Richardson was saying is that missionaries traveling around the world to bring the gospel message discovered that when they got there, these people were already prepared, already open to hearing the truth. And I, I'm, I'm going to share with you one example of this. In a predominantly Buddhist country of Burma, they had a tradition of worshiping one true God. Does that sound familiar to anybody? whom they called Yahweh, Y apostrophe W-A. They believe that he is eternal and all-powerful. Moreover, he is perfect and unsearchable. Yahweh, was cre Yahweh created the world in the beginning. Does this sound familiar to anybody? According to their tradition, two people broke Yahweh's commandment. Who would that be? Bringing suffering to the world. The supreme God of the Karen, and the Karen people are the people of Burma. The supreme God of the Karen people closely resembles Yahweh of the Old Testament. Richardson says that according to Karen tradition, a white foreigner, this is part of their tradition, part of their prophecy, a white foreigner was to come across the sea from the west with white wings, sails, but they wouldn't know what that was, white wings, bringing Yahweh's white book. In 1795, when Great Britain ruled Burma, a Karen man asked an English diplomat whether he had brought them their lost book. And the Englishman was taken aback, but nevertheless reported this incident to, the, to his superior, and he included it in a book that he wrote. This diplomat wrote, it, wrote a book, and he included that account in the book, and the book was called An Account of an Embassy to the Kingdom of Ava, or Burma, in the year 1795. The Karen people had to wait 20 more years for in 1817, a missionary from America by the name of Adoniram Judson. I don't know if anybody's heard of him. I recommend that you read his life story. Fantastic. He came across the sea with a book. Anybody know the name of that book? The Holy Bible? Now the Karen understood that this was indeed Yahweh's lost book and that the book was no longer lost. Soon after that, literally thousands and thousands upon thousands of the Karen people of Burma, Burma accepted Jesus Christ into their life. Now, Jesus was asked constantly, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's what people want to know. They want to understand and they want to know something about this eternal life that you and I have embraced when we became Christians. They want to know about that. And we're going to be talking about sharing this good news next week. That's another one of our values. People want to know about this hereafter. They want to know about the eternity.
because people are born with an eternity awareness. They've got this inside of them. They want to know. They want answers. And so I want you to know, before we go any further, that, that each and every one of us have eternity in our hearts. But it's not just you and I who have eternity in our hearts or an awareness of eternity in our hearts. It's a whole world out there that's looking for truth or looking for answers. And that's why they run to people like John Edwards, the psychic. That's why, that's why there's this, this, this uh, fascination with the Twilight Saga, this, this idea of there being immortal souls or immortal creatures. In, in, in the case of the Twilight Saga, what are they? They're vampires. But there's an interest, there's, a, there's, a, there's an intrigue. Why? Because we're born with eternity in our hearts. So understand this, if you and I are born with eternity in our hearts, then it's extremely important to understand how it is that we enter eternity and how we can please God. In, in John 12, 24 to 25, if anyone loves their life, they will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, to tell you something, Jesus says that flesh and blood will not inherit eternal life. Did you know that? People will not just automatically go to heaven, and that's what a lot of people think. They just automatically believe that when they die, they just go to heaven. That somehow God's got a scale in heaven. He just weighs your good works against your bad works, and oh, look at that, more good works than bad works. Yeah, he's in. And if it's just sort of like on the, on the edge there, you know, there's kind of equal, well, he'll go to purgatory for a while and spend enough time there to get purified. Anybody want to go to purgatory? Anybody want to take the chance of going to purgatory before they go? No, of course not. And yet this is what people believe. The Bible's clear. Flesh and blood does not inherit eternal life. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, what did they do? They walked, listen, they walked away from eternal life. They walked away from eternity. God promised them that when they died, when, when they sinned, when they would eat the apple, that what would happen? They would die. And how did they die? They died spiritually. They were cut off from eternity. That's what happened. Jesus comes along. The Bible calls him the second Adam, and he gets it right. The first Adam got it wrong, but the second Adam, Jesus, got it right. And he makes it possible for us to re-enter eternity. He makes it possible for us to enter heaven. He makes it possible to enter the new Garden of Eden. Now, this is good news. But I have to tell you, Jesus makes it clear that the only way that you can enter eternal life is by hating your life in this world. The only way you're going to enter heaven is by dying to yourself. The only way you're going to enter heaven is by not living for yourself. Now, this should not come as a surprise to us. And I'm, I'm always amazed at how often we are shocked and surprised when we, when we read words like this. Because here's the thing. When you became a Christian, what happened after, after you became a Christian? You were baptized, right? What did that symbolize? It symbolized death. That's right. It, it symbolized that you were identifying with Christ, who was dead and buried, and, and he rose again. Same thing for you and for me. Now, here's the thing. 
Eternity begins when you die to yourself. This is what it means to become a Christian. You die to yourself. You no longer do what you want to do. And that, my friends, is the biggest enemy of every believer. We have a hard time doing what God wants us to do. We always want to do what we want to do. I always want to do what I want to do. Isn't that right? The same thing goes for you. We always want to do what we want to do. But Jesus describes death to self like this. He says, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. So here's the thing. God wants you and me to be productive. He wants you and I to produce fruit that will last for eternity. The, and here's the thing. The only way that you can produce fruit for eternity is if you die to yourself. Did you get that? It's absolutely impossible for you just to go and do good works. Now, you can do good works, but it won't count for eternity. What Jesus is looking for is for people who will follow him in dying to themselves. A rich ruler came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you've got to keep all the commandments. He says, I've done that since I was a child. And then Jesus says, well, there's one more thing that you lack. You need to give away all of your money. Anybody here willing to give away all your money? Get the ushers out, get the baskets ready, here we go. I'm going to tell you, some of you are sitting there saying, I don't have any money. You can take whatever I have, and it's a lot of debt. Jesus, Jesus knew that for this man, what he needed was to give away his money because his money was more important to him than dying to himself. Get this now, because it's not the same for everybody. But even as I'm speaking to you, the Spirit of God is telling you what you need to do in order to die to yourself. As I'm speaking, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and telling you what you need to die to. And Jesus says very clearly, it's impossible to inherit eternal life unless you die to yourself. Because anyone who loves their life, did you hear that? Is going to lose it. Does anybody know what it means to lose your life? It's a subject we don't talk about too often, does it? What does it mean to lose your life? It means to go to... He's right. But we don't want to talk about that. Why? Because it offends. It's not comfortable. It's uncomfortable. The people, I'm not the one that's coming up with this stuff. Jesus is making it clear to us what it means to be a follower. And so here's the thing. You and I need to learn what it means to live our lives in light of eternity. In other words, you've got to live beyond just seeing what happens until you hit retirement. It's got to go beyond that. It's got to go to eternity. And the question is this this morning, are you ready? Are you dying to yourself? Are you ready for eternity? Are you ready to go? Are you prepared? Are you dying to yourself? Are you putting others first? Are you putting God first? Are you living by the values that we've talked about thus far? Because this is what it means to die to yourself. Let me just tell you this in conclusion. As Christians, we have two great struggles. First of all, it's dying to ourselves, And the second one 
is embracing this truth about eternity that Jesus taught. We have a hard time with that. This truth that eternity is reserved only for those who follow Christ. Did, did you hear that? Eternity is reserved only for those who are followers of Christ. Now, I know some may be sitting here this morning, you're shaking your head saying, I don't know if I believe that. Well, here, here's what you've got to do. <laughs> you've got to take your Bible and read it and find out what it means to inherit eternal life. I'm going to tell you this. There are a lot of people who struggle with this. There are a lot of churches who struggle with this teaching, and they don't teach it. They don't preach it. They don't embrace it. And here's what we have discovered, is that the churches that do not teach a heaven and hell are churches that are actually dying. They're decreasing in numbers rapidly. Do you know why? Because people were born with eternity in their hearts and they want to know the truth. And the church that preaches the truth is a church that's going to grow. The believer who embraces this truth is the believer who is going to produce fruit. You're going to grow. And you're going to have an effect on other people. You will become a great discipler. Heaven is not for everyone. And I've got to tell you, I'm the first one to admit this morning, this is a very exclusive kind of faith that we have. Because there's a lot of religions that you can, you can run to, you can flock to, that don't believe this. They believe that, that many roads lead to God. There's many ways to God. But that's not what Jesus says. Did, did, are you getting this? You have to understand this. Because here's the thing. When you do your evangelizing, when you tell people about Jesus, if you don't understand this, then your message does not ha hold a lot of weight or a lot of authority. It just becomes another religion. How many know today that this is more than just another religion? This is, this is truth. This is truth. And the Bible says that when we know the truth, it sets us free. That's, where, that's what people are looking for. And that's a message that you and I have to carry. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a, hard, it's a very hard teaching. We can, we can embrace some of the other teachings, like share and give to others and be humble and be kind. That, that, yeah, I could do that. I, could, I can go along with that. But when Jesus says the only way to heaven is by putting your faith in him and dying to yourself, we're like, oh, hold on a minute there. This part I don't know if I'm going to go along with, but may, do you mind if I just cut this one out and put it aside? I'll go along with everything else, but do you mind if I not go along with this one? Listen, my friends, this teaching on eternity is central to your faith. You have to embrace it or you're not embracing Christianity. Here's what Jesus said. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road, or wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. This is the road that people are on. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And listen to this. Jesus said, this, this is Jesus speaking, and only a few find it. You get that? We, we made a huge mistake in the last 50 years, and, and, and particularly in the last 20 years. It's happened in the time that I've been in the ministry. 
We have tried to make Christianity very attractive to people who don't know Jesus. We will just about do anything, just about anything, to embrace people and get people into the church. We won't make them, we won't read this kind of verses to them because that'll put them off. <laughs> this idea of dying to yourself, I mean, that's not the way to get people into the pews, is it? And listen to this. So we've done everything that we can to make it comfortable. But Jesus says that the road to heaven is narrow. The gate is narrow, and only a few find it. Listen, if not even Jesus would apologize to the rich ruler for his hard teaching, then you and I must not either. If not even, if not even Jesus would try to make the way comfortable, I'll come on in. You know, you don't have to give it all away. Give half the money away, and you can keep the other half, and, you know, we'll split it. Jesus says, give it all away or nothing. This is called eternal living. I look at the, the United Church today in the death throes. And why? Because they are not holding to this hard teaching about Jesus Christ. And it's not just, you know, I'm not picking on the United Church. I'm picking on, <laughs> I'm talking about every church that does not teach and believe what Jesus says. Jesus said this, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What do I mean by hating your life? I don't mean going home and you know, punching yourself or hurting. What I'm talking about is not living for yourself any longer. I'm talking about serving God and serving others, putting others first. Now here's the thing. The only way that you're going to be able to live this value, this value of eternal living, living in light of eternity, living so that you go to heaven, the only way you're going to be able to do that, listen to me, is if you stop trying to please people. You've got to stop that. And that's what the church has done. We've tried to please people and make people happy. I suspect it, it happened when we started going on TV and tried to win people over. Make it comfortable, make it comfortable, make it comfortable. I don't like to do this, but I've got to point this out to you. There's a church in California that tried to win people exactly that way. Make it comfortable, make it comfortable. Don't talk about the hard truths. Don't talk about heaven and hell. You may have heard of the Crystal Cathedral. They've gone into bankruptcy. Now, I don't say that with any glee. I say that with a profound sadness in my heart. But I'm going to tell you this. Jesus has called us to communicate truth and to live according to the truth. And it's that truth, my friends, that leads to eternal life. Are you living in light of eternity? I know today that there are some people sitting here who are not yet ready for eternity. I know there's some people here who are not yet ready to face eternity. Would you stand with me, please?